Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says love never fails. Amen. Praise God. Give God some love. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Forty-five years ago, on Easter 1971, I had an encounter, like many others have had. Many in the Bible, you'll find an encounter. Samson, you'll find them all. Deborah, you'll find Mary, Mary Magdalene. But I had an encounter with the living God that changed my life forever. It would, I would never be the same. It was more like God had an encounter with me. Before that, I had had encounters, but mostly with the dark side. And I didn't know much about light. I didn't know much about love. I was raised in a loveless, cruel atmosphere from the time I was born. And so... The dark side was very real to me, and my life was nothing but darkness, filled with darkness, and I did everything I could to lighten it up. Uh, I didn't know about the real Jesus Christ, and so I was offered, and of course, the enemy will offer you any counterfeit that he can, and so I began to take drugs and feel better, amen? I stuttered so bad that uh, that was embarrassing, and so some of those helped with that. But the ultimate help is God. Amen. And God had more like God had an encounter with me. Uh, I didn't find God. He was never lost. I mean, no, he was never lost. I was lost spiritually. The Bible says I was dead in sins and trespasses, and I didn't know that. And he found me, and he pursued me, and he, until he caught me. He caught me in a two-story apartment building. I was about 20, 21 years old in Mar Vista, California, right outside of Venice, California, there where I lived. It was a live-or-die choice. It was heaven or hell time. It was now-or-never moment in my life. I'd almost died twice within that week. It was Easter week, the week of passion. I didn't know that. I was raised in a Christian home, had a little pins at perfect attendance. I was raised with, uh, with a parent who was mentally unstable, and so because of the unstableness and the mental, a lot of physical, a lot of emotional abuse done under the guise and the name of Jesus, put scriptures on it, go to church every time the doors are open, but meaner than any devil that you could ever imagine. And so to me as a young person growing up, my whole childhood stolen from me. Uh, God was not the answer. God was mean and cruel like I grew up with. And so as soon as I could run, 12 and a half, 13 years old, I ran for my life. And I never stopped running for the next 10 years, but God stopped me. How <laughs> I many know God can stop you running? We're pretty good runners. How I many know we got some rabbits in here too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was a rabbit. I was in 13 different institutions because there was nowhere to go, no home to go back to before I was 21 years old. And some of them I was in more than once. So if you give me a chance to run, I would run on you. Amen. And, uh. I spent seven Christmases, birthdays, all of that in institutions of some kind. And so I was a pretty messed up kid. Uh, personality didn't have any. Amen. Uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was not a good place. It was, it was a dark side. But, you know, when you're lost, I mean, no, you don't have a clue that you're lost till he catches you. And so I just tried to make the best of it. And uh, he chased me and he pursued me in some not so nice places through the dark places, and when everybody gave up, thank God he never gave up, amen? 
And when I wouldn't come to him and couldn't come, mostly wouldn't, he came to me. We have a God that is, has so much love that he will come to you even when you don't want him. But see, I didn't know who he really was. I saw him through people's eyes. And many times that is distorted and perverted and foggy and, and not what it should be. How many have ever been hindered by somebody who said they were a Christian, but you thought, if that's what that is, I don't need that. I got enough problems. Come on, some of us have been there, if not all of us. And so I, for 10 years, I didn't want to hear about it. Uh, I was, scriptures were sent to me, you need to repent. And, but you know, the incorrigible one was not the child in that case, it was the parent. Amen? Back in those years, though, and that was a while back, I'm not going to tell you how far back, uh, the kids were always the incorrigible one. Amen? But God has a way of, I may know the mercy and grace and love of God will reach anyone, no matter how messed up they are. And eventually he reached that parent and, uh, and uh, healed, and, and I know I will see that one in heaven uh, one day. Amen. So I would say Easter, or you may call it Passover, you may call it Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it, it is a season for life. The time of year that we celebrate our Christianity because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because without the resurrection, as I said earlier, we wouldn't have the forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven. The Apostle Paul, once a terrorist in killing Christians and in jailing, and, and jailing them, he had a God encounter. If you know anything about the Bible, you know that his encounter included, uh, the, the tale is that he was knocked off of his donkey by a bright light. And, uh, but I read the Bible, and I never saw anything about a donkey there. I mean, know we get a lot, of, uh, a lot of hype and a lot of myths sometimes when we read the Bible, or we hear about it. And if you can find where Paul was riding a donkey and God knocked him off, although God will knock you off your donkey if he has to. He's seen a bright light. And his encounter changed his life. How many know any encounter with Jesus Christ will change your life? It will change your lifestyle. It will change the direction that you're going. In less than 60 seconds, or I would say at least 120 seconds, in less than five minutes, from the road to hell that I was on to the road to heaven, from lost to saved, from having the devil as my father to having the heavenly father as my father, happened so fast. Other parent couldn't even believe that it happened when I called. I tell you, it doesn't take God long to give you a donkey experience. Some of us need a donkey experience. We need an encounter with God. Amen. I've had enough church to last me my whole lifetime. I saw so much church, I would not darken a church door for 10 years. I didn't want to hear it. I've seen all that. I've told you before, the preacher looked like the undertaker. And the deacons looked like the pallbearers. Come on now. Some of you have been in some of them churches. You know what I'm talking about. And I said, man, i got enough problems. I don't need that. So the apostle here had an encounter. God had an encounter with him. Changed his life. And, and Paul, the apostle, he says this prayer in Acts. He, he has a prayer for all men, whether, whether a Nero or a hero or a zero, that all men would be saved and come Saved from the wrath to come. Saved from what? People would tell me I'm saved. Saved from what? I didn't know I was lost. I didn't know I needed to be saved. Saved from what? The Bible says that we're saved from the wrath to come. Amen. There is a wrath coming. Are you hearing me? There's a wrath coming, the Bible says, on all disobedience. And also on them that hold the truth in disobedience. You can have truth and not obey it. You can know and not do. Amen. And so Paul is praying a prayer for all men. He's praying for Nero, praying for the worst of the worst. And he said he prayed this prayer in Acts. 
In Acts 26, 18, he says that their eyes may be opened, their spiritual eyes. God, you have to open their eyes. Their eyes are closed. The Bible says that the devil, he has people laying in his lap, and he has blinded their eyes from the real gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The enemy wants to give you a religious experience. He wants you to just go through the motions. Amen. Something that has no life in it. I am not into religion. I don't like religion. But I'm into relationship. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If I never have a relationship with you, that's okay. But as long as I have a relationship with him, that makes all the difference. I may know you. You may know the preacher. You may shake my hand. But if you don't know him, it will mean nothing in the end. He is salvation. He is life. He paid the price. And so he says, Lord, open their eyes, their spiritual eyes, that they that their eyes would be opened, that they would be turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. How many know we have to be turned from the power of Satan unto God? Satan doesn't let you know you're under his power. And I always wondered one time, I said, why, why can't good people go to heaven? How many know all good people do not go to heaven? I thought they did, so I thought you just try to be good. I mean, a lot of people are under that, if I just try to be good enough and the good outweighs the bad, St. Peter don't let me in if I tell him, you know, hey, this is better than that. It doesn't work that way. No matter how good you are, I mean, no, the Bible says we're all born in sin. We have the sin nature. And the reason Jesus died is he went to hell and took the keys of hell and death from Satan back that Adam gave to him, gave to Satan. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Satan doesn't have death anymore. If Jesus had not died, Satan would still have the power of death and we would have no hope. We would be eternally lost. We'd have no hope of heaven. We, hell would be it for everybody. But God, Jesus came. He said, no. He said, you don't get there by being good. You get there because you, you have a born-again experience. You are born again. You, you give your life to Christ. He gives you a new heart. The old heart has some good parts, but it can't really do it. You need a new heart. Just take it for what he says. And the reason you need a new heart is because you need a new father. The heavenly father. Satan became the father when he, when he caused Adam to fall. Adam handed it all over to Satan. That's why Jesus came and took it back. He said, no, now you have the opportunity to have a relationship with your heavenly father. Glory to God. With his son, Jesus Christ, and the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And so no longer is the devil my father. And how many know the devil is our father until we're born again? He doesn't come out and tell us that. Nobody says that to us. I mean, how do you feel, you know? John the Baptist was baptizing people, and the, and the religious people came down. They said, yeah, we want to be baptized too. And, and John the Baptist said, who told you? He said, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, you have to repent. You have to change your mind. You have to agree with, with God. Amen. He says, and he looked at him, he said, and he said, your father is the devil. Now, I've said some things in 40-something years of preaching, but I've never told anybody their daddy was the devil. Uh, come on now. Even though somebody have acted that way, I better not go there. Amen. But how many know we can all act like the devil a little bit? Uh, oh, you want to sit here like angels this morning? Okay, you all look angelic. I, I love it. Yeah. But thank God that Heavenly Father, through the born-again experience, God the Father becomes our Father. Jesus is our Savior. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. And so it's not based at that point on how good you are. It's based on how good God is. 
that he paid the price. When he sees you, he sees you in Christ. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we always do everything right. But it means we are saved from the wrath to come. Amen. And we have, the Bible says, we have passed from life unto death at that moment that we receive Christ. And we have that experience and we have that encounter where we know that the Lord has received us and that we have received him into our hearts. Amen. And so he says that their sins may be forgiven, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and receive God's inheritance among, inheritance among all people everywhere whose sins are cleansed away and who are set apart by faith. I may know God has an inheritance for us. You don't want to miss your inheritance. How many... Some guy won the lottery, had the ticket, and never showed up. I would hate to be that, that guy. Amen. I'd probably slap myself every morning. Well, you don't want to miss the inheritance, God. God says we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He says everything that he has, he says he loves you as much as he loves Jesus, his, his only begotten son. That was hard for me to believe. Still is tough. But he said it. And so we see in your bulletin, I put a deal there that I felt was just kind of simple. God so loved the world. I mean, no, God didn't just love. He's so loved. You are so loved. How many have children? You don't just love your children, do you? You so love your children. Yeah. Yeah, they're mine. Don't mess with them. Huh? Amen. They may not be angels, but they're mine. So it'd be better if you just leave them alone. Because I so love my children. God so loved the world, so loved it, that he gave his only begotten son. You know John 3.16. You're loved. How do I know? Because he gave his only begotten son. How many know you're not going to love anybody like that unless you're willing to give your only son? How many have at, at, at least one son or daughter? Two, three or more. How many have 10 or 20? And you think you might give one up. We ain't giving none up. Not nary a one. Amen. Hallelujah. Die for you? What? He gave his only begotten son that who, whoever, rich or poor, bond or free, good or bad, believes in him shouldn't perish. I mean, no, God doesn't want you to perish. There's no way you, God wants you to perish. God's waiting. That's why he's waited so long. That's why he's so good. That's why his goodness is waiting on us. He does not willing that any man should perish. God wants us to come to repentance, to, to change our mind and to agree with God and to turn around and follow him but have everlasting life. It's called, and the greatest thing if you ask me, what, what does Easter mean to me? It meant and means to me unconditional love. I never knew any unconditional love. I may know there is no un, any unconditional love except through Christ. Nobody loves you unconditionally. We try the best we can. Only through Christ's love can we love unconditionally. Are you hearing me? If you don't think so, reach over and take the wallet out of your neighbor's pocket. We love as best we can with our human love. But when I met him or he met me and the encounter happened, I felt and knew it won me. It, was, it captured me. It amazed me. It overwhelmed me. I never had experienced an unconditional love, an unconditional forgiveness. An unconditional acceptance. How I many know that's what the church is built on? Unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, and unconditional forgiveness. See, when we come to Christ, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. How many know that they're forgiven? You just got to receive it. 
It's there. If you don't ever receive it, you don't get the benefit, but it's there. And that is the beauty of this unconditional love. While we were yet sinners, he said, Christ died for us. That's hard to fathom. From the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. I may know some people that don't know what they're doing. I may know some people that do know what they're doing, and uh, yeah. But how many know they really don't know what they're doing? I said they really don't know what they're doing. They don't realize the seeds they're planting. They don't realize the future that they are bringing on themselves. They don't realize that this is going to bring that. So really they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. God wants us to have our fathers, our father's nature and spirit. And he gives that to us and we have to exercise, we have to release it. Father, forgive them. The bonehead they are. Idiot. I may have some adjectives you could use. Some we can't even speak in church. Amen. Uh-huh. You're thinking about somebody right now, aren't you? Huh? Maybe one more, one or more. Yeah. Yeah. Father, forgive them. I'll forgive them. Yeah. But God forgave us. Amen. Yeah. Sister just had a flashback. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to take you there. We all have some flashbacks, do we not? The devil loves to give us flashbacks. Anybody done you wrong? Sometimes we love the song. What's the country song? Somebody done somebody wrong? Yeah, he likes to play that on. The devil loves that record. He li- that's his broken record. And he'll just sign up beside you, whether you're in, in the yard gardening or where, in church, he'll even come, and you'll start thinking about that one. And then you start getting, you know, you know how, how you get, start thinking more, and, and then it just ruins your whole day. You know, you just, and then you start looking mean at the preacher, at the pastor, and he doesn't know why. You're not mad at him, you're mad at that, but, but it's all over you. You know, you're just thinking about what they did to you. And the Lord helped me with that because that would happen to me too. It happens to everybody. It's normal. Amen. And I mean, know we like to bring them out. We got them in a little prison. We bring them out and slap them around a little bit and put them back in. Oh, yeah. Call them a few names. You dirty son, you did that. Uh. But the Lord told me, he said, that's not going to set you free because you're going to carry them around with you. That will weld their sin to you, and you will end up paying for what they did. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. It sets you free. Whew. And so God gave me a little, just a little key. It wasn't original. He said, whenever that comes to you, immediately, as fast as you can, just say, bless them. Somebody say, bless them. Somebody just went like, bless them. However you do it, do it. Through clenched teeth, whether you mean it or not, just say it. Words are powerful. It'll catch up. Bless them. And God says, second thing, send good things to them. I send good things to them. I bless those that curse me. I do what Jesus said to do. It releases me. I'll send them some things. Don't you worry about that, Pastor. And you know what the Lord told me? And that He said, you don't even have to say God bless them. Just bless them. How many know we have the power to bless or curse? That's why the Bible says, why do you, same mouth, same, same vessel, same fountain comes blessing and cursing. You bless God, but you curse men. I don't want to curse men. How many know people that are usually in there are already cursed? I said they're already cursed. They don't need your curse on top of it. We want to get them out of the curse. No matter what they've done. I may not be able to be around you. I may not really be able to see you because you're toxic and you're messed up. But I don't want you going to hell. I told you to go to hell, but I don't want you to go there, really. I told you to go there a lot of times. 
And I was willing to help send you there too. I mean, I mean, I was going to help you. Oh yeah. Oh yes, I was. Whenever that feeling comes over me and I want to say go to hell, I said go to heaven. Either way, get out of here. I'm not sure I'm helping anybody. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Amen. Father, forgive them. Amazing love, unconditional love, acceptance and forgiveness. Where can you get unconditional acceptance? Where can you get unconditional love? Where can you get unconditional forgiveness? Nowhere. Nobody will give you that except Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. Somebody ought to praise him for these 10 seconds. It totally changed me. Everything changed. I mean, when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, a real encounter, everything will change. I said everything will change. Not everything may be right right away, but it's going to change. Amen. It's going to change. I realized when it did that there were some people that were not good for me. It's tough to change when you're around people that are not good for you. Because birds of a feather, spirit, same spirit attracts. If a person has a spirit of rebellion, they will attract rebellious people. If your husband was a dog, you'll, somebody will be attracted to you whose husband also was a dog. And now we're going to talk about the dogs. Who let the dogs loose? And so I don't want a, re a rebellious spirit. Obedience breaks rebellion. Amen. But I tell you, rejection will attract rebellion. Rejection is an awful influence, awful spirit. And all of us have been rejected at some point. Some were rejected at birth. Some, some had parents that wanted you to be a boy and you turned out to be a girl. So they named you Sam or whatever they named you. Sue, yeah. Live with that handle. Things I used to do, I didn't want to do anymore. My greatest delight was finding out what what pleased him? What pleased God? The one who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Such a light I'd never known. A darkness I had known well. Are you hearing me? Somebody in here knows about the darkness. Knows about the dark side. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means darkness is on this planet. But there is a light. We sang about it this morning. And there is an encounter God wants to have with you that will change your life, that will turn you from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And you will know your sins are forgiven. And you will know that you're on your way to heaven. And that if you died right now, last Easter you ever saw, you would be with the Lord. Oh, glory. That's freedom right there. You couldn't help, and you can't help but notice that our culture, um, just give me about five more minutes. Can you give me five minutes? Our culture has shifted in the past 20 years, even more so in the last 10 years. And I don't see much total change today. I see a lot of mixture and a lot of distractions. Are you still with me? I said I see a lot of mixture in the church. I see a lot of mixture in people's lives. I see a whole lot of distractions. We all, but the all things become new, as Jesus said, old things passed away. That seems to be a thing of the past. And maybe it's become, maybe it's because we don't see it like we once did. It's because what Jesus warned us about in Luke 6, 26, says Jesus warned us about, he said, you will be hated of all men for my namesake. And he said in Matthew 10, 22, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
Nobody wants to be hated. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And a little word that we had last week in our, in our bulletin, a word by Bob Paul, Paulson, entitled Dangerous Ground, Troubling Trend, Dangerous Ground, distorting, distorting the gospel in order to fit in. He says no one wants to be hated, but the Bible is clear that it will happen when we seek to follow Christ. How should we respond to that reality? According to Chelson, the, the Kara, many evangelicals, evangelicals, especially those of the so-called millennial generation, born between 1982 and 2004, and how many know it's not only the millennials, it's the boomers, it's the Xers, it's all the ers, are responding in a dangerous and misguided way. And this is the dangerous and misguided way. They tend to be picking and choosing which scripture verses they want to abide by and which ones they don't. Literally, they're writing their own Bible. I have torn a few pages out of mine, but I got another one there back in there. The ones they want to buy, the ones they don't want to buy, says Vicara, who serves as an evangelical program director for the Institute of Religion and Democracy. She says, I call it cafeteria-style Christianity. And so even as they claim to follow Jesus Christ, they ignore or implicitly reject biblical teaching on homosexuality, on fornication, on marriage, on abortion, and salvation through Christ alone. It's common now. All roads lead to heaven. Doesn't matter who you are, what you are. We even have theological people standing up and saying all roads lead to heaven. It's just one God. It's his name over here. And I, I'm telling you there's one God and his name is not Alan. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. And it ain't you. You didn't get that. You will about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Why? Why are they rejecting biblical teachings on these subjects? Vicari says it stems from wanting to be accepted. It's our broken human nature that wants to appease the world. Vicari herself fell into this trap while she was in college. She says, and some within the campus ministry she attended encouraged that approach. For some young people today, what they think of as gospel actually looks more like a liberal political platform, she contends. The consequences are far-reaching, and they are contributing to the moral decline in America today. How many know that the church is the answer for America today? Second Chronicles 7.14, I believe it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and turn, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We're the salt. God is putting the light. But the culture has changed. Amen. The consequences are far-reaching. It's the moral leading to the moral decline in America. I may know you can't hardly tell the church from the world today. Many in the church are doing the same thing the world does. Living the same way the world lives. Christians in name mostly. Just enough fire insurance to get to heaven. I hope. While various groups have distorted, distorted the gospel through the history of the church, and that has happened, what is unique today is the pervasiveness of social media. Are you still there? Vakari observes the backlash against someone who proclaims biblical truth is probably more harsh than it has been for generations. When they say we're not living in a Christian nation, I did not like that statement. But I want to tell you there are signs everywhere that we 
We have declined from being a Christian nation when over half the people vote the way they do for the abominations that God says he hates. And they vote their pocketbook over their principles. Or they don't vote at all. God help us. She says it's probably more harsh than it has been for generations because it comes not only from your friends outside the church, but it also comes from strangers online. It seems like the whole world has its eyes on us. And not only that, but they also have the ability to reach us and intimidate us. I saw a little deal on from Mark Stein that uh, Brother Eddie gave me. I'd seen it before, but it refreshed me. It was, it was an expose on the colleges in America and the professors and the people that are paying a high price for even mentioning intelligent design, that there may be a creator, the Antichrist and anti-God. Don't want to hear about it. Keep it in your four walls is widespread, has totally infiltrated our colleges. You even mentioned creationism, and you're blackballed. That's why we ought to go see that movie, God is Not Dead, Part 2. Amen. The anger and the hatred to have to admit that there's a God is, is, is mind-boggling. I can't understand how a human heart can be that against any reference to God or creationism. But there's something in the human heart that does not want to repent, does not want to say it's wrong. How many know know somebody never says they're wrong? We're not going to go any further than that. Amen. You're always the one that's wrong. So you're wrong, so you keep the peace. How many know they do have an issue? Which we are not going to go into this morning. Amen. I worked for a Marine drill sergeant before I went in the ministry for several years. Building starters and generators and alternators over here on Avenue High. And he, he, had a, he, he had a motto. He says, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. They may not always be right, but they're never wrong, and they'll let you know about it. Okay, I said I was going to leave that, didn't I? Yeah. How can we combat quickly the twisting of biblical truth? How can we combat this twisting of biblical truth? She says, churches must teach fundamental doctrines such as creation. The fall of redemption through Christ's sacrificial atonement. And they must equip students to defend their faith amid hostility. There's a price to pay. And she makes a plea to mature believers, the grown-ups in the room. We have any grown-ups in the room, as she calls them. Personally, I met a lot of grown-ups in the church who didn't have answers to my questions. So they avoided me. Don't give up on the younger generation. We're just trying to figure out how to face the hostility and also live a convictional Christian life. And we need your example of how to do that. I may know the millennials are doing what they're doing because the boomers are doing what they're doing. And the Xers too. They are following mostly our example. Not everybody. I don't want to blanket everybody. Let me close. Somebody say, please do, Pastor. Let me close with a word from Bob Goss. In his little daily devotional, January 2006, dated, the title was, Who Are You Trying to Impress? And his candid, shockingly honest con- conclusion, he, he said this, quote, he says, Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. That's a statement. That's an indictment. Many of my preoccupations suggest that I belong more to this world that is passing away and the lust thereof than I do to God. I think that's 
an issue we have to think about. Amen? My prayer this morning is that you will have an encounter with the living God that totally changes you, that gets rid of the mixture, the distractions, that causes you to be a God chaser, that gives you something not only worth living for, but something worth dying for. You know what this generation wants, millennials? They're tired of your religious. They're tired of the phoniness. They're tired of talking it and not living it. They don't see anything worth dying for, much less worth living for. But God's changing that. I said God's changing that. Because this, this mountain is worth dying on. Living, dying to live. Paul said, I die daily. I'm hidden. I'm dead with Christ. Amen. It's not I that live anymore, but Christ who's living in me. Would you stand with me and let's thank God for this Easter. Is it getting hot in here or is it just the message kind of getting hot? God. The preachers wouldn't preach them hot messages. We could all stay cool in here. You know what I mean? The question is, do I seek to please men? Paul said, for if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Amen. Andrew Garfield, as we just for a moment here, the, who played Spider-Man on the big screen, recently spoke of the frustration of trying to please everyone connected with his movies. He said the pressure to get it right, to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one or everyone just a little bit. So whether we're a movie star, a mother, a pastor, a coach, a sales cook, a CEO, whatever our state is, it's frustrating to try to please everyone. Amen. I tried to please everyone. But then finally I realized that wasn't going to work, so I just got one to please now, and that's God. I said, we please God, God will take care of everyone else. And you'll find that if you'll please God, it'll be pleasing to a whole lot of people, maybe not everybody, but it'll be pleasing, and God will honor it, and God will bless it. Hallelujah. Give him praise. According to the Bible says we should focus on pleasing God. Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. John 8, 28. 29. And he is our example, is he not? Obedience comes as a result of our desire to please the Lord. Obedience comes as our, with our desire to please the Lord. You will not have any more obedience in your life than you have desire to please God. Who are you pleasing? That was the way the year started out. God gave a message. Are you pleasing God? And to be honest with you, we have all had to admit at times we have pleased ourselves. Or pleased others. And we want others to be pleased. But how many know, if you're not pleased, I can handle that. As long as I've done my best and God is pleased, I can go right on out, hold my head up high. You can run me out of town and I'll beat the drums like I'm leading the parade. Are you hearing me? When you know somebody is pleased, oh, man, isn't that a great feeling? When you know God is pleased with your son, well done, you done good. We all want to please our fathers and our mothers. That would come from early, from youth. Is your wealth, wealth, life, wealth, the Apostle Paul said, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. How you ought to walk and to please God more and more. So let's abound in pleasing him. Amen. Someone said recently, everyone lives to please somebody. Most people live to please themselves. But pleasing God ought to be the major motive of the Christian life. That's what you should see more than anything else in your pastor, in your brother, in your sister. 
am I pleasing me or am I pleasing God? And sad to say, many are pleasing themselves. They are not where they should be when they should be there. They are not honoring God when they should be honoring God. They are honoring themselves or honoring others. Honor God first and then honor others. Amen. Because he said, seek first. Don't have any seekers. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. Somebody say first. And all these things shall be added to you. We are in a rat race. We are in a frustrating time more than ever before because we're trying to add it all to us without seeking God first. And I want to tell you, it'll be a rat race. You will chase your tail till you finally bite it. Come on now. Because pleasing God is our first priority. Seeking Him first. And He will add it. He will add it. I said He will add it. Oh, you can add it. But his blessing, he says, he adds it, and there's no sorrow. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for this. I hope it was a stirring message, penetrating message. We got happy about the eggs and the bunnies, but this has been a little deeper. And Lord, I thank you for the times in which we're living. The people of whom I have had the privilege to speak your word to this morning. I pray, Father, for each and every one of them. My heart's prayer, and I believe it came from you that they would have a God encounter, that they would have an encounter with you, that you would intersect them in their life somewhere, sometime, somehow. Oh, God. And we will know that they've had a God encounter. The prayer was good. Many of you have said the sinner's prayer, and that was a good start. And I believe it's real. I believe you did receive Christ. But something happened. Either you had a bad witness, you saw the example of others, And you really did not turn around at that point and chase God and really seek only to please Him. And so, Father, I pray today, I thank you for the God encounters. We so desperately need an encounter with God. Life. We don't have to tell anybody about life and what we're going through, what people are going through. Father, I pray right now as your light is shining, shining on that one, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Shine, Jesus, shine. Shine into every dark place, every place of depression, every place of of want, of lack, of need, of loneliness, broken dreams, hopes dashed. Shine a light. We are the light of the world. Your light is in us for all the world to see. This can be, and you want it to be, the greatest experience of our life, the greatest time to be alive, the greatest time to have no fear and to follow the one who said, follow me. As you're standing there in his presence just for a moment, and you're just talking to him, and he's, he's talking to you about an encounter. He says, he's knocking on the door of your heart and your life, and Revelation 3 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will enter in. If you'll notice, the handle is not on the outside of that door. It is on the inside. It must be open from the inside. God will not break it down. He has given you free will, and he honors that. You choose. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be God or money, fame, popularity, whatever it may be, you would be wise to choose God. 
Father, right now his hearts are open, and I believe this word has in some ways penetrated. As we examine our own life just for a moment here on this Sunday, Easter Sunday, 2016, my 45th birthday since my God encounter, 2016 years since your encounter on Calvary. Oh, God, give us an encounter. Give us a God encounter. Father, I pray for encounters that will change lives, change directions, fulfill destinies, bring purpose, bring forgiveness, bring life. I speak life. Somebody shout life. I speak to every place of death. You can play the closing song down there. I speak to every place of death in your life, in my life. And I speak life in its place. Life in its place. God told me to bless the congregation a couple of weeks ago with, with happiness. He says, I want people happy. God, I bless them again in your name with happiness, real happiness. God wants you happy. 2,700 verses on God wants you happy in the Bible. Glad, have joy. Father, it comes from Jesus. Joy comes from Jesus. Lord, I pray right now as you're searching the heart and heads are bowed and decisions are being made about the message that you've just heard, change, real change from real encounter. You seek him, you'll find him. Have you been changed? You know if you've been changed or not. Are you free? Have you found joy or you're still looking for it? Peace. Do you have peace this morning? Praise. God wants you to have favor. He has favor for you. Right now, not tomorrow, not the next day. Today, this Easter, and say, I've been changed. Do you'd like to come to the altar for prayer? I'd like to meet you here with the prayer team, and we'd like to agree with you just for a moment. If you'd like to slip out of your seat and just say, you know what, I... I need some changes. I need things changed. I need some changes. If you want to slip out and meet me at the altar, I'd be glad to pray with you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come and give your life to Christ. If you need healing, if you need hands laid on you, if you just need to say, God, forgive me, I want to make a public confession. I want to, I want to, I want to show that I have received this message that I, I mean business about Having an encounter with you, Lord. You can have it today, right now. God encountered people Jesus did all throughout his ministry. He's here today. He's here today. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Those of you who like prayer, please come. I'll wait just a moment. And then I'll dismiss you. Would you reach to someone next to you? Would you just do one, one more thing for me? Would you reach to someone next to you? Put your hand on their shoulder, their hand or whatever it is. Would you pray with me right now, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for a God encounter for their life that will supernaturally bring a change in what they need, in what you have for them. If they've had an encounter, bring a greater encounter in Jesus' name. I thank you for this one right now I'm praying for, for their life. I speak happiness over them. I bless them in the name of the Lord. Be blessed. God bless you. Happy Easter. I love you. Thank you for coming. God be with you.
God bless you.